0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I appreciate it. Coming up, Jeff Brawati, North Kildonan counselor, on this idea of a new transit mall for Fort Street. Cam Batley is the chief corporate officer at Aurora Cannabis. He'll be on the podcast. It's World Spine Day, and so Dr. Trevor Clark will join us and a Winnipeg company 24 7 in touch is on a Forbes list. And we'll talk to Deanne Harrison about that. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate the podcast. And now the podcast. Uh, joining us on the phone now is North Kildonan councillor, uh, Jeff Browati Jeff, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Hal. How's the campaign going, by the way?
1: It feels really good. I'm getting out there talking to lots of people, uh, There's new boundaries for my ward, so I've picked up uh, a whole area on the west side of the river, River Bend, River Grove. Lots of good folks over there. So, yeah, it's been busy.
0: Listen, uh, we're going to talk a bit about Portage in Maine or this idea of a transit mall on Fort Street. Portage in Maine really has kind of dropped off the map as far as an issue in this campaign, though, hasn't
1: it? Uh, I'm still hearing a fair bit about it, actually. Are you? I mean, people still seem uh, worked up about it, upset that this is even uh, a consideration opening it. Uh, I'm still hearing a fair bit.
0: OK, well, I want to read a I, I don't want to dwell on this, but I want to read a tweet from former Mayor Glenn Murray to you uh, from, I guess, maybe an hour ago. Jeff, now that yeah. transit concerns have been addressed and there is private capital to kick off reinvestment in Portage and Maine and the surrounding area to build the tax base, I invite you as an honorable gentleman to lunch to discuss building bridges of a sort. Cheers, Glenn. You'll do lunch with Glenn Murray, won't you? Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, former mayor of Winnipeg, he had
1: lots of uh, good and interesting ideas. Uh, that said, I mean, there is still a, uh, uh, you know, the physics of it, there is still a capacity uh, to to our transportation network downtown. I do think there is some good things that we should be looking at for transit. We should always be looking at ways to do it better. Uh, you know, the possibility of a fort uh, Notre Dame slash King, uh, North South transit mall. I think that's worth looking at. Hmm. Um, but the reality is, I mean, it's still going to put a lot of vehicles in downtown and opening Portage and Germain to pedestrians is going to still slow, uh, the whole thing.
0: I I think it's kind of a non-issue because I don't think Portage and Maine is going to get opened up to pedestrians this time, but you think the idea of a transit mall on Fort might still be worth looking at, eh?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this current council has actually called for a a transit operational review, and I think that definitely should be part of it. I mean, I think we should be looking at uh, different sized buses. Like, why do we have out in the suburbs, you know, later at night, full-size buses? To me, it seems a lot more efficient to be operating with a, a much smaller bus. When it's really busy, though... Uh, It's more efficient to run with even bigger buses. Maybe we should have more of the, uh, you know, bendy buses, as we like to call them, or even like they do in Ottawa and London, double-decker buses. They take less of a footprint on the street, but uh, have a much higher capacity. I mean, those, I think, should be things that we look at as well. High-frequency routes, know, the the main drags your Portage Avenues, McPhillips, Regent, Henderson Highway, Pemita Highway, uh, looking at, uh, you know, higher-frequency routes so that people know that, Instead of having to live your life around a transit schedule, you know that if you go out onto the street any time of day or night, within nine or ten minutes, there's always a bus coming by. Things like that definitely, I think, should be looked
0: at. Let's assume, uh, just for the sake of argument here, let's assume no wins and Portage of Maine does not get reopened to pedestrians, at least not right now. What has to be done at the intersection? Obviously, work needs to be done on the underground, right?
1: yeah I mean it's coming up to the forty year renewal uh, the reality is uh, uh, the different property owners there uh, as part of the original agreements apparently need to be contributing towards the, that refurbishment I want to make sure that they're ponying up the cash that they're they're obliged to, pick, to pony up um, we need to you know uh, improve accessibility standards to modern standards um, you know as major work is done uh, incorporating uh, various types of uh, uh, elevators and that for uh, twenty four hours uh, uh, access that uh, includes people with uh, mobility issues needs to be part of it.
0: And uh, back to the campaign, you said you're still hearing quite a bit about Portage and Maine. Are you also hearing crime and the meth crisis? What are people talking to you about in North Kildona?
1: Yeah, I mean, Portage and Maine, just the condition of our roads overall, uh, high taxes. People are have fatigue with the amount of taxes they pay. Uh, those are sort of the overriding themes. Uh, and, and even transit. I mean, people get, uh, I'm hearing more transit than ever before. Hmm. Uh, people complaining about, uh, you know, waiting for the bus and buses passing by because they're full. You know, people who are using transit, they just expect to get a, they're not looking for a rapid bus. They're just looking for a bus with just, uh, not even a seat, but just a uh, space for them to get on.
0: Yeah. Jeff, thanks a lot for doing this and good luck next week. Thanks, Al. Thanks, <laughs> Al. And now, Cam Batley, CCO, Chief Corporate Officer of Aurora Cannabis, on the phone. Good afternoon, Cam. Hi, how are you? Hi, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it. Tell me about Aurora Cannabis.
2: Well, it's quite a story. Um, You know, we were a little company based in Edmonton when I joined two and a half years ago uh, in the spring of 2016. And now we're a giant global company based in Edmonton. In the time I've been with the company, we've gone from 35 employees to about 1,600 worldwide. And uh, our market capitalization on the stock market has gone from about 70 million to about 14 or 15 billion. So it's been quite a ride. And we've expanded uh, not just across Canada. From one facility to now we have uh, eight facilities uh, producing in Canada and Europe. Um, And we're operating in 18 countries around the world. This is is a very exciting time. Yeah, you're essentially a grower, right? Uh, Actually, we're a lot of things. Uh, Aurora um, uh, produces uh, cannabis and hemp uh, in large quantities. But we also do everything from designing cannabis production facilities. We do the design and engineering through one of our divisions. Uh, we also do extraction. Uh, we also have distribution channels. We own uh, about 25% of uh, Alcana, which is the largest private liquor uh, seller in Canada. And we own distribution channels in Europe. and uh, And now we're expanding into Latin America and
0: parts beyond very soon. Any involvement in Winnipeg or Manitoba? Not just yet, but we certainly have our eye on Manitoba. We had one of the pot retailers on one of our shows yesterday afternoon, and it sounded like a kid at Christmas. Is that kind of what this is like for you guys in the cannabis biz? Actually, you'd be surprised. It's very serious business. Uh, And, um, you know, people
2: think that it must be party time in the cannabis business, but it's not. Um, We have a a mixture of people who come from mature industries, uh, you know, like, for example, me, I'm a suit. I come from the biopharmaceutical industry, plus people who come from, Uh, the cannabis culture itself. Uh, But, you know, the work is so intense. Everybody's working seven days a week, you know, 12 plus hours a day. And so uh, the only drug that people are
0: consuming en masse is really caffeine. Uh, We're pounding coffee at quite the rate. (laughs) I'll bet. So obviously Aurora started in the medicinal cannabis area. Are you getting into the recreational area now too, or are you going to stick with the medicinal?
2: Uh, Aurora is a cannabis company, full stop. So our roots are as a cannabis company and our uh, roots in the science uh, of cannabis and the medical side are very, very deep. But we're also supplying the consumer system uh, that's launching right now. Uh, And uh, we have uh, arrangements with 11 provinces and territories covering 98% of the Canadian population uh, to supply the consumer system. And then beyond that, we're also selling our medical cannabis overseas overseas. Um, as I mentioned, we you know we're operating in 18 countries, and we're currently selling our medical cannabis for uh, the needs of patients in Europe, uh, and uh, and we're actually undertaking an acquisition of the largest medical cannabis supplier in uh, Latin America as well. Um, that's the real economic opportunity. People should actually keep their eye on that. Everybody's excited right now about consumer legalization in Canada, and they should be because it's it's good public policy and it's creating a significant market here in Canada, mm-hmm. probably amounting to about $10 billion a year. But the biggest economic opportunity right now is the international medical cannabis markets that are opening up around the world.
0: And we have a real opportunity here in Canada with companies like yours, eh? You know, it's an exciting
2: time for Canada, uh, not just for Aurora, but for Canada, because right now Canada is the global leader with respect to cannabis. We've got sound public policy and a good framework in place. We have a medical system with more than 350,000 Canadians who have a prescription from their doctor uh, to use medical cannabis to manage the symptoms of a health condition. Uh, And now we're creating uh, the first uh, legalized consumer system in the G20. So the world's eyes are on us. Uh, Canadian companies like Aurora are the leaders, and we're, you know we're creating massive investment, uh, new economic uh, development, spin-off benefits, new employment, and new innovation. And you know when was the last time that Canada got to lead the creation of a new global industry? That's what's happening right now, and I think it's a reason for a certain amount of quietly
0: Canadian patriotic pride. Absolutely. Whenever we're talking marijuana, I hear from listeners, oh, it's good for this, it's good for that, it helps cure this. Talk about the medicinal impact of cannabis, marijuana. What is it good for? What can it treat? So it's an interesting thing because cannabis has come to medical availability, so physicians
2: can prescribe it and patients can use it via uh, by, uh, by a very different path from traditional prescription pharmaceuticals it hasn't uh, gone through the same uh, phase one two and three clinical trials and then approval by a regulator like health canada or in the us fda it was actually brought to medical availability via a supreme court order the supreme court ordered uh, the federal government uh, in the previous uh, government the harper government to create a system that would actually make medical cannabis accessible uh, to patients Uh, and and as a result Patients can use uh, medical cannabis with a prescription to manage the symptoms of a wide range of health conditions. Uh, Now, the most common use is probably for pain management. Uh, People are using medical cannabis to manage um, back pain and uh, nerve pain and uh, a host of different kinds of chronic and moderate pain conditions. But it's also used for things such as uh, managing the spasticity associated with multiple sclerosis, the seizures uh, associated with epilepsy, bowel disease, certain anxiety disorders. Uh, And it's all based on the science of the endocannabinoid system. That's a system of receptors in the brain and the body that bond, uh, sorry, that bind uh, only with cannabinoids, the active pharmaceutical ingredients in cannabis. And that's the reason uh, why cannabis has such broad medical utility.
0: So with the legalization of marijuana in Canada, recreational marijuana, what does that mean for the medicinal side? Does this mean better access for people that maybe couldn't get that prescription from their doctor and now they can treat their pain or whatever their ailment is?
2: I I think the big picture here is a massive change in attitudes with respect to cannabis. You know, we've stigmatized this substance for decades. Uh, We've criminally prohibited it. And that criminal prohibition was a mistake, uh, and the reason why I say that is that uh, it was an ineffective law—the criminal prohibition of cannabis—and we know that it was ineffective because at least five million Canadians uh, have been using, uh, me- or sorry, cannabis uh, uh, illegally uh, for a very, very long time, uh, and and so it was an ineffective law that criminal prohibition. But it was also Uh, unfairly and unevenly applied. So the impact of criminal prohibition fell disproportionately on Canadians of colour, Indigenous Canadians, and low-income Canadians. Now, when you have a law that is ineffective and unfairly applied, it's time to revisit it. And that's exactly what we've done in Canada. Uh, And we're showing leadership around the world uh, with respect to rational public policy. And other countries are watching, and other countries will follow our lead.
0: I'm sure this number doesn't surprise you. I found it sort of surprising this morning. A new Ipsos poll done for us here at Global News says that about one in five Canadians currently use cannabis. And I thought that was a pretty big number. But as I said, I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. Uh, It doesn't. You know, we've studied the black market and remember that the central
2: objective of consumer legalization in Canada is to migrate people over from a vast and sophisticated black market for cannabis into a legal, regulated, and safer one. And we will achieve that objective. We've already seen the success of similar models in states such as colorado and washington where they've managed to uh bring people over or if you like up into the light of legitimacy Mm. uh you know to the tune of 75 percent or better we'll do that and and further evidence of that is you know here's a question when was the last time you bought bathtub gin
0: (laughs) yes right exactly one more question here before i let you go cam what do you think of manitoba's decision not to let people grow their own marijuana
2: I'll tell you what. What I say whenever people ask uh, questions about, you know, jurisdictions having one set of laws or another, it's going to take some time for us to get this right, and people still are a little bit nervous uh, about uh, what amounts to a significant social change. So, uh, you know, what Man- Manitoba chooses to do right now, that's the you know, that's up to Manitobans. Uh, what they choose to do uh, next year or the year after that. Um, again that's up to manitobans you know we don't want to force people we don't want to push people um i think people will come on side they will realize that what we're talking about here is a reasonably benign substance now i would never call a psychoactive substance uh, entirely benign however uh, there's ample evidence to show that cannabis is a more benign substance than alcohol for example on an individual health impact basis and on a societal impact basis so we, we can be patient. We can give people time to change their minds.
0: Cam, thanks a lot. Thanks for telling us about Aurora. I appreciate it. My pleasure. World Spine Day, and that gets us to our next guest, Dr. Trevor Clark from Connect Chiropractic, and he is the host of the show, Announce of Prevention Weekends here on CJOB. Good afternoon, Dr. Trevor. Good afternoon. Happy World Spine Day. Thank you. To you as well. What should we know about uh, the spine on this World Spine Day?
3: Well, the spine, of course, is very important, right? Because it's what gives us mobility. So we want to take care of it because over time, if we don't take care of it, it can lead to a loss of quality of life.
0: Boy, and I know that better than anybody. I had a couple of herniated discs several years ago. I ended up with some nerve damage. I mean, I don't want to go on about my story, but I've had a bad back for a long time, and I take much better care of it now than I did. I took it for granted, really, and uh, I think a lot of people do that, right? A lot of people do do
3: that. I mean, a lot of times when someone will come in, they're like, you know, I really don't understand. I've never really had back problems in the past. But unfortunately, these different stressors can add up over time, you know, kind of accumulate over time, and then, boom, it doesn't take much to set things off.
0: So what should we do? Obviously, regular visits to a chiropractor, uh, that's what you do, and that's why I'm talking to you today, because I do think it's important to maintain the spine, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, just like
3: maintaining your teeth, your spine is mechanical in nature, and anything in, uh, anything mechanical in nature requires some maintenance right so that's why and you know regular visits with your chiropractor is a good idea beyond that you just want to keep things moving right so of course stretching and strengthening uh, of course that's a really good idea Uh, as a society we're more sedentary than ever and, you know, a lot of jobs, I think up to 75% of the jobs that are in the workplace today in an industrialized society require us to sit for the majority of the day. Mm. And that can lead to deconditioning of those muscles and supporting tissues around the spine, which can put more stress on those cartilage discs that are in between there and lead to, you know, increased problems and difficulties over
0: time. And then I know from listening to your show on the weekend here on CJOB too, it's about much more than just that. It's about diet. It's about working. I mean, it's about everything.
3: Yeah. So, you know, it, you know, you want to, we always tell people you want to power well, eat well, move well, and think well. So, you, you know, power well, that's where chiropractic comes in, is to keep your spine um, moving well so that there's no stress on your nervous system, because your nervous system is kind of like your body's control center, right? Uh, eat well, yeah, you want to eat a diet that's, you know, genetically congruent with your body, you want to try and keep that weight down a little bit, because of course, as our body mass index goes up, which it has gone up in Canada uh, over the last, decade or two Mm -hmm. that put increased stress on our on our spine and all of our joints really our knees and our hips etc and then move well while getting back to you know just moving every day you know if you're sitting at a at a a desk every day you want to try and get up every 15 20 minutes to just move around for a minute or two if you can and then I even try to get people if you can just get into the habit of doing a 20 to 30 minute brisk walk three or four times a week, there are countless health benefits with that documented health benefits um, from, you know, preventing different uh, diseases, et cetera. So just a 20 to 30 minute brisk walk three to four times a week. And then think, well, of course, this is where, you know, good positive mental health comes in and, you know, good social relationships and things of
0: that nature. Mm -hmm. And when we do use our back, say, to lift something heavy, we have to learn how to do it properly, right?
3: We do. We do. So you you do really want to try and, you know, keep that lower back in its natural position with that lumbar curve that we have. The muscles in your legs are much bigger than all those little muscles in your lower back. So that's why you want to try and lift with your legs, keeping that, you know, that good posture. And um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of little healthy habits that we can cultivate on a daily basis that uh, add up over time.
0: Let me ask you one more thing here, Trevor, before I let you go. You mentioned a few times sitting. Most of us are sitting at our jobs. What do you think of the idea of a stand-up desk? Or around here, a couple of the studios have stand-up studios where we don't sit and do our shows. We stand and do our shows. Good idea?
3: I think they're great, just as long as it's not something that requires you to bend at the waist and lean forward a little bit. Mm. So if you're standing straight up and down, right, if it's really set up properly, that's really great. And then while you're standing there, if you can just move around, even just shifting your weight back and forth a little bit to keep things moving here and there is a great idea as well. Because once again, staying just sedentary, even just standing is not the greatest idea as well.
0: Great stuff, Trevor. Thanks a
3: lot. Thanks so much for having me Hal.
0: Deanne Harrison is standing by on the phone from 24-7 in touch with some exciting news. Good afternoon, Deanne. Good afternoon. Well, congratulations on being on this Forbes list. Tell us about it.
4: Yeah, thanks very much. We're really excited. It's uh, a list we're amongst, you know, such a great group of, of other companies and really showcases employers who are looking at you know, really making opportunities for new grads, which is something we really put a lot of effort into. So we're really excited to be uh, showcased on this list.
0: Talk about what you do to try and make it a great place for new grads.
4: We look to offer a lot of opportunities, whether it be growing your skill set, looking to grow your career with us, or perhaps, you know, add some new elements to your toolkit as you're working through your, your future degrees or expanding your career, you know, beyond us. So you could start... You know within a particular department we're always looking for folks from you know finance HR um, IT a variety of areas um, and really look to give them uh, an opportunity to get their hands into all elements of running a business
0: and you know I feel like 24-7 in touch has really grown with Winnipeg over the years hasn't it
4: it has yeah we're uh, You know, really proud to be a Winnipeg-based company, and we have over 10,000 employees now worldwide, uh, and just recently opened our uh, fourth center here in Winnipeg uh, near Polo Park. I was going to ask you, how's the new home in Polo Park? It's great. We love it. It's a great location, and and our employees are loving working out of that that location.
0: So once you're on a list like this, I guess the goal is to try and stay there, right?
4: It is, yeah. Try and stay there and, and probably bump ourselves up a little bit.
0: Excellent. Well, it's great news. Again, congrats, and thanks for telling us about it.
4: Yeah, thanks very much.
0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast,
2: is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.